Hey friends, welcome. We are so glad that you clicked that button and that you are joining us today for this message. Hey, there are a lot of things going on at Christ Community Church here and we would love for you to get involved, get connected. You can go onto our website, go to our coming up page. There are lots of events. You can also check out groups, um, but really just to find a way to get connected here throughout the week. We hope that you like and subscribe so you can get more content as it comes out and we hope you enjoy the message today. Amen. Hello, Christ community. So glad you are here. Great to be with you and those who happen to be watching online. Welcome to all of you. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are, are here and, and watching. We are so grateful um, for all the sacrifices that you make for the sake of your, your family. And so we thank you and we honor you today. Now, before we jump into the message, I wanted to mention that next week we are starting a new teaching series on the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be going verse by verse through this very challenging and very relevant book, however long it takes. Um, within this particular letter of the Apostle Paul, um, we're going to be looking and, and ta talking about a lot of different topics. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, even the weird ones. Uh, we're going to be talking about sexuality. We're going to be talking about relational tension. And it's going to be messy and fun and challenging. Um, and that starts next week. Now, let me tell you about a resource that I'm super excited about. We're making available. I recently came across these um, personal journals of a book of the Bible where on the, so you can see on the left side of the page, you have the text from 1 Corinthians and on the right side is just open space where you can take notes or you can draw pictures or, or be creative or whatever. And as you're meditating on the passage. And so we ordered some of these just to make them available to our church. So they're available at the, uh, at the info desk and also at the cafe. Um, I think tonight they're only available at the cafe um, for $5. Um, and this could be like at the end of the series next year, whenever we finish this, you would have this whole record of what God has been speaking to you about from, from the book of 1 Corinthians. And so I just want to commend this resource to you. We bought, I don't know, 150 or something. Um, and uh, so encourage you to purchase one if you think this could be a cool part of your journey through 1 Corinthians that begins <clears throat> next week. Well, today we are finishing up <clears throat> a very strategic and very important teaching series that really lays out our strategy for the third part, the third core part of our purpose statement, which is bringing hope to all people. What does it look like for each one of us as followers of Jesus to intentionally bring hope to the people around us? And we've sought to answer that question <clears throat> by looking at a very powerful statement <clears throat> that Jesus makes to his disciples in John chapter 20, right after he was resurrected. He said to them, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That's an amazing statement when you think about it. I mean, Jesus is saying, I started this mission to bring hope to this broken world, and now I'm enlisting each one of you to help finish it. Each one of you, as my followers, is a part of my team to help bring hope to this hurting and broken world. So how do we live this way as, as, as ones who are sent by Jesus? Well, that's what this five-week series is all about. In the example of Jesus, we discover five simple practices that can enable each one of us, regardless of our personality type or whatever, age or whatever, it enables each one of us to be carriers of hope to the people around us. And so each week in this series, 
we have looked at one of those practices. So let me just summarize real quick. Practice number one, five weeks ago, a loving lens. Choosing to see people through the lens of love rather than the lens of labels. Practice number two, intentional proximity. Are we intentionally hanging out with people who don't yet know Jesus? Do we know our neighbors? You know, are we doing the things we enjoy, hiking, pickleball, whatever, you know, but are we doing it with people who don't yet know Jesus in an intentional way, intentional proximity? Practice number three, spiritual attentiveness, which we define as listening to God as we're listening to people. It's amazing the doors, we talked about the amazing doors that will open when we become, when we practice good listening, when we listen to people's stories. Practice number four, offering ourselves. Pastor KJ did a great job last week talking about how we have so many resources that we can offer to others. Our time, a, a, a prayer, a listening ear, some freshly baked cookies or a meal in our home or whatever. These become strategic ways to love on people and to demonstrate God's love for them. Okay, so today we get to the final practice and this is the one we typically think about um, in this area being sent. It's, it's this whole idea of sharing the gospel. <clears throat> we can look, we can see people through the lens of love and we can hang out with them and we can ask questions and listen and demonstrate love. But what we ultimately want is for them to come to know Jesus in a real way by them responding to the gospel. So somehow we've got to be able to share the gospel, this gospel with people so that they can enter into a relationship with Jesus. Now look, I realize of all the practices, of all the five things we're talking about, this is the one that's the most challenging, right? This is the one some of you have been dreading, right? No, this is the most fear producing. You know, and, and, and when we've, when we've, Maybe we have some baggage with this where we tried to share our faith with people and we fumbled our words and it hadn't gone well or whatever. And we decide internally, subconsciously maybe, but we just decide that silence is probably the better option. Our silence is the better option. And we just hope that somehow they'll see Jesus in us. But there's a, there's a tiny little problem with this approach. And the apostle Paul highlights this problem in Romans chapter 10. Check this out. He says, how then can they, people who don't know Christ, how can they call on one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? We're sent, right? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, Paul makes it clear that silence doesn't really help anyone come to know Jesus. How beautiful are the feet of those who are willing to share the good news of Jesus with people who don't yet know him. People need to hear the gospel they need to hear the gospel in order to respond to the gospel, right? I mean, we, we get this. So what keeps us from sharing our faith? Why is it so hard for us, including me, uh, why is it so hard for us to get those words out to share our faith with people? Now, part of the answer to that is that many of us don't know how. Like if an opportunity arose, you know, arises at tomorrow or this week or something, if someone says, hey, how can I have a relationship with Jesus? 
some of us, we, we don't know what to say. Like we, we don't know how to lead someone to Christ. And so we're gonna, be, we're gonna be talking about a little bit of that today. But we also have a Sharing Your Faith seminar coming up this Wednesday, free seminar. You gotta register for it. But I strongly encourage you to come. There's information in the newsletter. And the couple that's gonna be leading that training, it's a couple in our church, who are really good at this. They're not pastors on staff, man. They're lay folks, and they're really good at this. They have a huge heart for this. In fact, I want you to watch a video that we put together where they share just some of their experiences. So here we go. Hi, my name is Steve Lipe. I spent 40 years in high tech, and now I'm happily retired and love being a grandparent. And I am Debbie Lipe, and I... I'm retired piano, from piano teaching and interior design, and I my favorite job is being a Mimi right now, grandma. We pray beforehand whenever we go out, and it isn't just at some sort of church-sponsored function. It's whenever we go out, we're thinking, let's be intentional if there's an opportunity for us to share our faith or encourage someone in their faith. God, show us those opportunities. And he does, while he's preparing us through the Spirit, he's preparing hearts for that conversation with us. We were at a restaurant on New Year's Eve. It was just packed. And we found a table and it was big enough for six people. There was nobody in the center section and an older couple on one side and we asked him if we could sit with them. I'm not thinking we're gonna to have to share the gospel, but I am thinking about can we engage them? Can we be lights somehow in their world? And it did end up in us sharing the gospel. The guy didn't want to have anything to do with church or even people from church, so it was actually great that he would talk with us. But his wife, it was completely news to her that heaven was a free gift and not something you earn. And so she she definitely tracked with us sharing the gospel. Now again, a seed, seed planted. I had gotten out of my car and was at a grocery store, and a woman stopped her truck right in front of me. And of course, my first response is, oh no, I want to turn around and go back to my car. But God just stopped me in my tracks, and I just heard him say, what do you need? What can I help you with? Those words came out of my mouth. She said, I need food. She goes, I have some really bad medical problems, and if I get if I can get my food, I'll be okay. And so I said, okay, go park your car and come back and meet me at the front door. And so I had my grocery bags thing and I gave her two of them. I just said, you go fill up these bags with what you need and I'll pay for it. She was kind of blown away. And she goes, what if it's really expensive? And I said, go fill the bags and I'll take care of it. And I knew God would take care of it. So we met back up front by the cash registers and uh, paid for her groceries. And then she said, you know, you're so kind. Why, you know, why did you do this for me? So right there, well, because Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you. And you had a need and I wanted to show you the love of God. And I said, can I pray for you? And so I did share a little bit of the gospel and then I prayed for her and that was quite an experience. Her needs were met and I felt that, wow, God met even more than her material needs. 
She was she was out <laughs> delivering um, food bags to the homeless, and uh, oh, the car crash! She got rear-ended by Jesus. Well, his truck. name was Jesus. His name was Jesus. <laughs> he was driving a business truck. So I saw the name on his shirt, and I said, "Oh, your name is Jesus, or Jesus?" And he goes, "Yeah." I said, "Do you believe in Jesus?" And he goes, "Oh, yes." <laughs> I said, "Good." <laughs> And she was so gracious with what had happened. And it turned out that Jesus was also a believer, but he needed that at that moment. He needed someone with grace to help calm him down. Sharing your faith isn't just sharing your faith in the words of the gospel. It's the way you react to a situation. It's, and yeah, it's, it's sharing God's grace. Giving him a hug and assuring him it's all gonna be okay. I guess the way I would describe it is having an intentionality. It's not, we're gonna go out and thump people with Bibles. It's, it's what Jesus did. He engaged people and they had some very interesting conversations and he found out what their needs were. It's having that attitude of engagement and see where God takes it. Amen. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you for that. So Steve and Debbie are going to be leading this workshop. They're going to be just sharing a simple way all of us can share our faith. They're going to be training you in that and just talking about it. And so we're super excited about that. Um, and so I encourage you to, to, to sign up for that so that we're ready. The Bible says be ready, right? And so that would, that's a part of just being ready. So, so part of our struggle for many of us in sharing our faith is just not knowing the actual gospel message. But I also think there's another dynamic going on that keeps us from verbalizing the gospel, keeps us from sharing our faith. And, and it has to do with how we view the gospel. So let me, let me explain what I mean. At its core, the gospel is a very specific truth, right? There are basically four elements that make up the content of the gospel. You can package them a little differently, but the basic four are element number one is creation. Each person is created in the image of God for relationship with him. This is his original design. Element number two, brokenness. As humans, we chose to rebel against God and do our own things. The Bible calls that sin. That rebellion removes us from an intimate love relationship with God, our creator, and places us in bondage to our own self-centeredness. Element number three, redemption or rescue. God, Jesus, God's perfect son, came to earth he died on the cross to pay for our sin, and then he rose from the dead to give us life and freedom. And then element number four, restoration. When we turn from self and we trust Jesus, we experience new life. Our sins are forgiven, we're adopted into God's family and given a new purpose, which is to help others experience what we've experienced, to bring hope to this hurting world. So at, at a basic level, those four elements comprise the gospel. Now, there, again, there are other ways to articulate it and, and other words you can use, but, but that's the essence of the good news. God's good creation, broken by sin, rescued by Jesus' death and resurrection, and then restored to new life. And again, this Wednesday, you're gonna learn a simple way to communicate that. And we all, we all need to know how, how to share that. We all need to know and understand those four essential aspects of the gospel. But again, I wanna go back to my statement I made just a moment ago. Even when we know the content of the gospel, we still often struggle to share it. So why is that? Again, it's, here's what I think. I believe it's because of how we view the gospel. Do we view the gospel primarily as content or do we view the gospel as a story, a better story? 
See, this was a huge epiphany for me <clears throat> that happened very recently. Uh, and as I was thinking about, I was preparing this message, but I was also spending a few days with a person in my life who I care deeply about and who doesn't yet know Jesus. And I wonder, I spent a couple days with this person, and I wondered, why is it so hard for me to share the content of the gospel with this person? And I realized what it was. I don't have in my mind a vision for how the gospel offers my friend a better story than the story he's living. His life is fine. He loves his wife. He has a good job. He's not into any evil activity or in bondage to some addiction. He's a really good, caring, kind person who is not interested in the gospel, who is not thinking about eternity. He's just living his life. So for me, to bring up the idea of how to spend eternity in the good place wouldn't really connect with where he's at. Eternity is not on his list of things that he's even thinking about or that interested in. So where does that leave me? Well, in the past, I would have concluded that I've just got to get up the courage to share the gospel with him. Even if he doesn't really connect with the gospel, even if he's not really interested, I just need to get the information out there so that he hears it. And then I'm done. My job's done. I just need to speak the truth. But as we talked about a few weeks ago in that area of spiritual attentiveness, what, what good is it to share information when, with someone who is not listening? <laughs> What good is it to share information with someone who is not interested in hearing what we have to share? I mean, just think about the fifth solar panel salesperson at your door who is giving you the spiel, right, when you aren't interested in their product. How effective is that? It's not, right? So what do I do with my friend? Here was my epiphany. If I'm ever gonna share the gospel in a way that he would be interested in hearing it and responding to it, I've gotta figure out how the gospel offers him a better story than the life he's currently living. So this is practice number five, tell a better story. See, I was only seeing the gospel through the lens of specific content, creation, brokenness, redemption, restoration, but not through the lens of a better story. The gospel is not, it is not simply this narrow, limited, one-size-fits-all content. No, the gospel is this beautiful, expansive, multifaceted story that is able to connect with each person's story and offer them a better story that is unique to their situation and their circumstances. Okay. So this is why, for instance, when Paul, the Apostle Paul, is sharing the gospel with Jewish people in Acts chapter 13 who are still living under the law, he focuses his gospel sharing, he focuses on how they can be forgiven of their sins and how they can be declared righteous in God's eyes because that's the gospel story they needed. But then four chapters later in Acts chapter 17, when Paul is in Athens and he sees all these Gentile people, not Jews, these Gentile people worshiping various gods, Paul focuses his attention of the gospel, his, his articulation of the gospel, on these people's longing to know and experience spiritual things. He even quotes one of their poets. See, the gospel is the same, but the specific connecting point with those two groups of people is, is different. 
the people in Athens are living a different story than the people in Antioch. The people in Antioch are struggling under the weight of religious rules. The people of Athens are spiritually hungry, but they're missing God. So in each case, Paul shares a better story than the one that they're living. In other words, Paul intentionally and creatively leverages whatever as or he leveraged whatever aspect of the gospel story that would speak to their unique longings and needs. Paul doesn't share a one-size-fits-all gospel. He knows the gospel, so then, and why it's important to know, the seminar and all that, but then he's able to creatively leverage different aspects of that gospel to connect with the people that he's talking to. He understands how the gospel connects to different people in different ways, depending on the story they're living. See, so when we begin to listen, this is practice number three, we begin to listen to a person's story. We ask questions, we listen, that's spiritual attentiveness. We then can start to see how the gospel could meet a specific longing in the life of this person who doesn't know Jesus. And then we, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can tailor how we share the gospel with them so that they begin to see the gospel as a better story than the story they're living. If they don't see it as a better story, they're not going to be interested. So part of this epiphany for me happened when I was reading, recently reading a book on evangelism by Sam Chan. And the book is called How to, How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. Um, anyway, in this book, it's, it's a pretty good book. In the book, he, he makes the point that in the period between like 1500 and the 1900s, in that period of time, Western culture resonated with this, the concepts of guilt and forgiveness. So during that time period, 1500s through 1900s, sharing the gospel in this legal kind of language, guilt and all that, it resonated with people. It was a better story of freedom than the story they were living. But in our post-Christian culture, when many people hear the same language, this legal gospel language of sin and breaking God's law, for many people to do that, that sounds oppressive. It, 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 it doesn't sound like a better story. So what do we do? Do we just keep sharing the story the same way? Well, here's what Chan writes. He says, fortunately in the Bible, God gives a huge variety of stories and images and emotions and metaphors all designed to reach each and every person exactly where they are and connect with them emotionally, culturally, and existentially. No matter who your friends are and what they've been through, the Bible has a story about Jesus that will speak to them. See, I love that. We're not changing the content of the gospel, but we are dis discerning what aspect of the gospel story provides a connection to the unique story that this particular person is living. For example, there are two very different ways to talk about the fall of humanity. Genesis 3, which is a crucial part of the gospel story, right? But there are two very different ways to talk about what happened in the Garden of Eden. The one that I was taught and that fit the culture that I grew up in years ago was focused on Adam and Eve's sin and, and their resulting separation from God. They sinned, 
So God removed them from the garden as, as punishment, right? And that is certainly one way to tell the story. We're guilty and we are separated from God because of our sinful rebellion. But there's actually another lens through which to tell the same story, a biblical lens to tell the same story. Rather than the lens of guilt and punishment, we can, we can also view the story through the lens of shame. We're told in Genesis 2, 25, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. This is a beautiful description of wholeness. No hiding, no feelings of being unworthy, unacceptable. That's what shame is, but they're not feeling it here. They are, they are known and they are loved just the way they are. It's a beautiful picture, right? There's no shame there. But then they eat the forbidden fruit. And what happens? If you'll notice in the text, they're not immediately kicked out of the garden as if the bump, 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 rebellion, rebellion, get them out of here. That's not what happens. <laughs> there's, there's interaction that happens. Um, they're not immediately kicked out of the garden. No, look at, look at what's described. Chapter three, verse seven. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is the saddest verse in the Bible. Before this happened, they were naked and they felt completely accepted. But now they realize they're naked. They're self-conscious about their bodies. And so they cover themselves. Find a fig leaf, right? They cover themselves. They're hiding who they really are. They don't feel acceptable. That's shame. So what does God do? He comes to them and he provides covering for their shame. He clothes them. See, that's another way to tell the story of Genesis chapter three. Same passage, I'm looking at the same Bible, but it's another way to tell the story through the lens of shame and how sin's biggest impact is us feeling unacceptable and we're trying to hide ourselves rather than being able to experience love. So let me just ask, as you think of some of the people in your life who need the gospel, you think of some of the people around you who don't yet know Jesus, which of those two ways of telling this story would most resonate with them? While some people still resonate with the language of guilt and you know, from, from sinning and all that, I think most people in our culture, especially our younger people, especially the younger generations, they resonate with the message and the impact of shame. They get that. They feel that. Feeling unacceptable. Feeling unworthy. Social media just fosters this focus on image and how we look and whether people like us and they don't like this and how many likes we get and all of that stuff. I mean, no wonder anxiety and depression levels in young people are off the charts. This is the impact of shame. That's what's happening in our culture. This is the impact of shame. We all deep down, or I think all, but maybe some don't realize it. But anyway, we all, we, we all kind of feel deep down something's wrong with us. And we're hiding. We're putting forth our false self. You know, look, look at me. Look how good I am. Even though we know that that's not really us, but we're projecting that so everyone sees that. That's, that's our culture. 
And so, so, so we're hiding and it's destroying us from within. Depression, anxiety, all this stuff is destroying us from within. So what if, for some people in our life, what if the way we shared the gospel was focused on shame? What would that look like? Well, here, just, what, what, what if we, you know, what, what if we were talking to someone and we just mentioned how so many of us are hiding who we truly are? I wonder why we do that. Well, maybe it's because we don't feel acceptable or worthy. But Jesus came and took our shame on the cross. He hung naked on the cross, bearing our shame so that we could experience his complete acceptance and love. Can you see how that could be a part of a conversation with someone today in a way that wouldn't be off-putting, but be, huh, never thought about that. And then you could simply say, would you be willing, or are you interested in receiving Jesus' love for you? I mean, would would that be a story that some people in your life would be interested in hearing? Notice, we're not changing the content of the gospel. All we're doing is discerning which facet of the gospel story would best connect with this person's story so that when we share the gospel, it's offering them a better story than the story they're living. That's the key. We're showing them how the gospel offers them a better story than their own story. This is again, this is again practice number five. Tell a better story. Figure out how the gospel tells this person a better story than the story they're living. Let's, let's, let's realize uh, the, uh, the, uh, the gospel. We just tend to reduce the gospel to content. Let's realize the wonder and the beauty of the gospel and think about what facet of that gospel would best connect with our grandson who's doing whatever, or our neighbor who, who thinks this and that, so, that, so that, we, that we know their story, we know what's going on, and we can tell them a better story than the story they're living. For instance, in his book, um, Chan tells about this Asian-American young woman named Sophia, born in Taiwan, came to the United States with her parents when she was a senior in high school. Her parents found a thriving Asian-American Christian community in Houston, Texas, and soon the whole family believed in Jesus. Now, up until then, this is the life her parents were living. Up until then, her parents lived in fear of evil spirits. Their life was a prison of superstitious rituals, including choosing a house based on the, number in the, the numbers in the address, got to get certain numbers and not other numbers, how to orient the furniture in the house, what foods they ate. They were literally afraid of the dark. They were also driven by this endless drive, and this is honor, shame, culture stuff, by this endless drive to impress their relatives and friends to make lots of money so that they would look good and would bring honor to their family. That was the story they were living. No wonder the gospel was such a compelling story for them. Jesus offered them freedom from fear of evil spirits and fear of what other people think of them. That's the story their heart longed to hear because of their own culture, their own religious background, their own story. But you see, other people have a different story than that. That's not everyone's story. 
Other people around us, they have a different story that they're living, a story of failed relationships, a, a story of insecurity, a story of addiction, a story of dissatisfaction or of lack of purpose in life. The, the, and see, the, the issue for us, and the, the, yeah, the, it's more than an issue, the opportunity, the adventure for us as sent ones is to ask the Holy Spirit to help us find creative ways to share the gospel story in a way that feels like a better story for this coworker. Feels like a better story for our grandchild. It feels like a better story for our neighbor. What aspect of the gospel would most resonate with their situation and stir in them a desire for a better story? See, to me, this makes sharing the gospel an adventure, a creative adventure rather than a forced formula. Page one, law number one, you know, whatever. This is an adventure at some level. We have, again, we have the tools, but then we can adapt it to the story they're living. Now, one of the ways to, one of the simple ways to do this is to, is to simply tell a story from the Bible that reveals an aspect of the gospel that this person would connect with. I remember playing golf with an unbelieving friend who struggled with an alcohol addiction and was very open about it. And, and we were just getting to know each other and we were riding in the cart on hole number 11 and we were talking about addiction. And I mentioned, I mentioned the story of Adam and Eve and how I just said something like, you know, their story, the, Bi the Bible shows exactly what's happening with addiction today. <laughs> oh, really? You know, yeah, yeah. So here, here's what happened. And so I just tell the story of how Adam and Eve, you know, they just show us of, of what happens when we freely choose things that remove us from the life we were created to experience. So I'm just kind of telling this story. And he was like, huh, I've never heard that story before. I remember another conversation I had with a fellow dad. We were sitting in the sidelines of a Special Olympics basketball practice. As we were talking, I asked him if he had any spiritual background, and he told me he didn't really, and, but that he and his wife had attended a church a couple times in the city where they lived, but he got turned off by this church because they, he felt like they were always just focusing on telling him how lousy a sinner he was. And I, in that moment, we, we started to talk about that, and I was like, yeah, it is weird how sometimes churches make... The, Good news sound like bad news. Um, and, you know, just kind of going through a little bit of that. And then I thought of the prodigal son story in Luke 15. And I began to tell him this story. I said, hey, there's a really cool story that kind of captures God's heart. And this son, you know, the whole son rebels and wastes all, half of his dad's inheritance. And then he comes to his senses and he returns home and the father runs to meet him. And he wraps his arms around him and, and they celebrate. They celebrate his return. And I just told him, this is this, the, the problem with sin is that it just, it messes with our lives. It's not, oh, you've done something wrong. No, it, the prodigal son, he, was, he, he lost his life in a sense. He, 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 was, he was a mess. His free choices led to this place. And this was the father's response. See, I'm, and, and you could just tell he was, wow, that's a pretty cool story. Again, just telling a story from the Bible, um, helping people see a facet of the gospel that maybe they hadn't seen before. Because look, I think sometimes we forget. <laughs> you read the gospel. Does Jesus have one way to share the gospel? No, <laughs> every page, every story is geared towards the audience he happens to be talking with or the per person he happens to meet. 
Now, again, it's not, I'm not saying it's, it, it's really important. I think we, we have the gospel content, wins all that stuff. I think that's important. But it, it's not like a formula we have to use with every person. Jesus didn't, he, he told multiple stories, depending on the person he was talking to, which focused on a different aspect of the gospel. It was geared towards that particular audience. And so we have a gold mine of stories from the Bible that we can tell people to pique their interest and to highlight a fast of the gospel. And don't forget, look, friends, don't forget that the most powerful story of all is your story, your own story. And let me ask this, think about this question. What was it about the gospel that caused you to realize it was a much better story than the story you were living. Think about that. It wasn't just content. There was something in the gospel that you thought that is a better story than the story I'm living. Maybe it was shame. Maybe it was addiction. Maybe it was the weariness of needing to impress people. Maybe it was a relational failure. Maybe it was a huge loss in your own life and grief. And, and whatever the situation, and, and, that, and Jesus met you in that place. See, what if you shared your story with people around you when opportunities arise? So I was talking with a pastor um, the other day who in the middle of a conversation, he just mentioned something about a 15 second story. And he answered this question. And then I, was, I went back. I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I've never heard that 15 second story. And he said, oh yeah, I just challenge people that I'm discipling. I challenge people to have a 15 second version of their testimony where they're just ready at any moment. Uh, just a brief description of your life before you met Jesus, how you met Jesus, and the impact of that. And then he said, hey, here's mine. And he just rattled it off. It was very cool. And I thought, I thought about that a lot. And here I came up with my own 15-second story. So here we go. I live my life with a boatload of shame, not feeling acceptable. And I worked really hard to be successful in order to prove that I had value, but it was exhausting. And then I met Jesus and I experienced his love for me. It wasn't dependent upon my performance and he changed my life. I now know that I am loved by him and I don't have to prove that I'm acceptable. Okay, that was 23 seconds. Okay, give me a break. But anyway, but you, but you get the idea. That was simple. Just a couple words describe what your life was like before, how Jesus met you in that story and what your story is now. You can do that 15, 20, 25 seconds. You can do that. And I, I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge each one of us to have that. Once you have a 15 second version, you can expand on it if you need to, but you have that in a conversation. You can just put that into a conversation when a door opens for that. So I really, I want to challenge you this isn't canned. This isn't someone else's formula. It's not like, no, I want to challenge you to think about your own story. How did the gospel offer you a better story? And then create a 15 to 20 second version of your story that simply describes how Jesus is changing your life. The gospel is a better story for every person on earth. So as sent ones, you and I get to hang out with lost people and listen to their stories, and then with the help of the Holy Spirit, look for opportunities to share with them a better story than the story they're living. And what a beautiful privilege this is, to partner with Jesus in his loving mission to bring hope to the people around us.
Amen. End of series. All right. Why don't you stand up? We're going to pray a little differently tonight. So I want you to stand up. And I want you to, there's an ancient posture of prayer been done for centuries where we have our hands out in front of us with palms up in a posture of receiving. And if you're comfortable doing that, I encourage you to do that right now. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. So Holy Spirit, come. We open our heart to you. We offer ourselves to you as sent ones. So I, did, I, as I was praying for the service earlier, I just felt like a, a few things were stirring in my heart for us to pray into right now. One is, I think for some of us, we have a fear of man that keeps us from sharing. We're afraid of what people will think of us. And I, I feel like the Lord would want us to, for those of us who struggle with, just to confess that to him to confess that we have a greater fear of man than a, a, a healthy fear of God, right? A reverence for God. We're worried about what other people are gonna think of us. And, and so let's just take a moment, for those of you who resonate with that, just take a moment and confess that to him. I feel like others of us, um, we, we're believing a lie that our story isn't really, you know, uh, dynamic enough. <laughs> it's not cool enough. We weren't in some, whatever. It's just, and I think that's just a lie. Jesus met you in some significant way in your story. And he offered you love. He offered you life to be seen and known. And so I want, I want to just pray for you, Lord, if there anyone, anyone here who, who really has been believing this lie that their story isn't, you know, dynamic enough, Lord, we, 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 we renounce that lie in the name of Jesus. And we, I pray for all of us to think about our own story and how you, what was it about the gospel that offered us a better story? And I pray for us to be able to articulate that in a simple way. And so now with our, with our hands open, are you willing to offer yourself as a sent one? And if so, just tell him in the quiet of your heart, Jesus, I say yes to being a sent one. I don't know what it looks like. I'm a little nervous about it, but I, I say yes to being a sent one. Just tell him that. God, wherever you lead, help us to see people through your, the lens of love. Help us to intentionally just take time for a neighbor to just be with people, to be listening to them and to you and to offer ourselves and then to have opportunities to share our story. God, we just want to say yes to being sent 
wherever you have placed us, our work situation, our school, our neighborhood, you've placed us there. And so now as your hands are open, I want to just pray. I was reminded of in John 20 when he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And then we read, and Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The only way this mission happens as sent ones is as we are receiving the Holy Spirit. So with your palms open, I want to pray into this for you. I want to pray for you to receive the fullness and continue to receive the fullness of the Spirit. So God, we are praying. I pray for each person watching this, each person here right now. Holy Spirit, would you fill us We know the power for mission is not on our own shoulders. It is on your shoulders. And so we are just saying, fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us. There's more, Lord, more of you. We need you, God. So as we're in a posture of receiving and um, enjoying the Lord, we're we're now going to enter into a time of worship. And I invite you just to continue to open your heart to the Lord and what he wants to do. We had um, two people come up to Michael last week after one of our services, two people who experienced healing during our worship. No one was praying for them. A person with tinnitus, ear ringing for 14 years was healed in our service and and another person with back pain was healed. Again, this is just the Holy Spirit just moving, right? Yeah, we praise God for that. And I want to just, yeah, invite you into that space. Um, And at one point I had someone talk to me before the service and um, She's here tonight and she felt the Lord speak to her Wednesday that she needs to bring to the altar a rock with written this condition that she has, this physical condition of lupus, to bring that. And she said, is that okay? If you do that, if I do it, I'm like, absolutely do it during worship, just come up. And so if you see her come up, that's what's happening. I'm not trying to embarrass her. I, the reason I tell that story was because there may be others of you who, as you're worshiping, you're like, you know, I, I really need to come and just leave something here. Maybe it's something physical, tangible. You probably didn't bring a rock, but um, maybe it's a piece of paper. Maybe it's just symbolic but you're coming and you're leaving it with the Lord. And so God, we just say yes to all that you wanna do in us. We say yes. And we wanna release all the things maybe that that we've been holding on to, whatever, Lord, we just bring those things to you in our hearts or in a tangible way. Do what you wanna do in us. Just come, Holy Spirit, just move in us, we pray. 
Well, thank you for joining us today for this time and this message. And coming out of everything that you just heard and things that God is putting in your heart, if you need help with anything, if you need ideas, if you need to brainstorm, if you need to pray with somebody, if you want to get connected in projects, I just want to invite you to reach out, connect with us. We're here. Go to our website. Send us an email. Send us a message here. Any form or shape. Call. Use the phone. What? <laughs> or any form of communication. We'd love to join you in your journey and pray for you and walk alongside you and bless you in what God in what God is doing in your life. So that's it for today. Have a good blessed rest of your day.